Hey, thanks for tuning into the Hammond New Harvest Church podcast. This is a special series by Pastor Brian Shaver called Don't Let Your Dream Die, The Study of Joseph. It's a five-part series streaming from the Hammond New Harvest Church in Hammond, Indiana, the perfect church for people who aren't. I want to challenge you to dream again. There, there are, are things in our life that, that kill our dreams. There's, there's hurts or pain that kills our dreams. There's temptation that kills our dreams. Discouragement can kill your dreams. Success can kill your dreams. Sometimes we kill our own dreams. Those are the things that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. Have you ever asked a child what they want to be when they grow up? I mean, they're, they're filled with passion. They, they, they're filled with dreams. They, they say things like, I want, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a police officer. Uh, Jalen came home one day, and, and she literally, they, they said, bring a picture and then draw what you want to be when you grow up. And she had a picture of a rocket ship with her face in it. She wanted to be an astronaut. And, and it, those, are, those are big dreams, and I don't ever want to say, well, you, you can't do that, dear. Uh, kids say, I want to be the president, or I want to be a congressman. I just threw that out there just to stir the pot a little bit. Don't, don't no comment. <laughs> Here's one thing you never hear. You never hear kids say, when I grow up, I want to watch a lot of TV and just sit and watch TV. I just, I just want to sit in a rocking chair. I want, to be, I want to be the best video game player there is. They, they never say things like that. They always have something that they're excited about, some, some big dream. But if you ask them when they're older, their dreams aren't so big. Their dreams begin to shrink because life puts a cap on our potential. Are you with me? Sometimes life begins to stymie and stifle your dream, and then your dream begins to fade and your dream begins to fail, and eventually, sometimes, unfortunately, our dreams begin to die. People have things in their life that become part of their story, part of their past, and people experience pain, and they experience hurts, and the longer we live, the more pain we encounter. Amen? The hurts we go through and the pain that we encounter leaves scars, like they sang about this morning. We, we go through some things that leave permanent marks in our life. They leave us scarred. And for many, our past becomes an obstacle that hinders us from what God has placed in front of us. Joseph was a man with a dream. He was a godly man, and he had to overcome a lot. He is, he is the, le- the 11th son of a man by the name of Jacob. Let me give you some background. Hang with me. It, just stick with me and do some, some Sunday school here for a little bit. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. He is the son of Isaac. Jacob is one of the patriarchs, which, which means that God reveals his plan to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All through the Bible, you'll hear them refer to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jacob is, is Abraham's grandson. He's Joseph, our, our subject. He is his father. So his, his name is literally changed to Israel. The, the, the nation of Israel is named after Jacob, Joseph's father. So Jacob must have really had it together, right? This guy must have been a stellar character. I mean, this guy must have been a, a five-star prophet or something, right? Well, that, that's not true. Jacob's family is dysfunctional, really dysfunctional. Jacob has children with four different women. He's married to two of those four at the same time, and their sisters. 
Guys, are you feeling me here? I love my wife's sister. Uh uh. Teresa, if you're watching, I love you. I mean, <laughs> Debbie's downstairs. Don't, don't tell her I said anything. She, she's in the nursery. Somebody go turn, somebody, somebody go cover for me. Uh, I, Jay, Jacob has a, has, a, has a life that Jerry Springer wouldn't touch. I, it is messed up. His family is dysfunctional. He, he, he is a con man. Jacob knows how to run a game on somebody. He knows how to get over on somebody. He knows how to take, if you shake hands with Jacob, count your fingers when you walk away. Check for your billfold. Jacob, Jacob is a con, his name means trickster, supplanter, con man. He is a con man. He cons his father-in-law, the, the, the daddy Laban of these two wives that he's married to. He cons him out of half of his flock. He, he becomes rich by taking advantage of Laban. Laban was a con man too. There's all this dysfunction that's going on. Now Joseph, our, our subject, the dreamer, he is Jacob, the con man's son. And Joseph grows up in this dysfunction. He, he, he sees this growing up. But Joseph has a dream, and that dream is given to him by God. It's this. One day, he's going to be a part of something amazing. One day, he's going to impact his family. In fact, one day, he's going to impact the whole known world at that time. But Joseph goes through a series of things. Some, some of them are, are bad things that are actually going to prepare him for what God has prepared him for, for what God is, is going to do in him. Now, understand something. In everything he faces, he has has every reason to doubt that God is involved in his life. He has every reason to believe that God's forsaken him. He has every reason to believe that, that God's not interested in him. Have you ever felt this way at all? He has every reason to feel like he is completely alone. But Joseph overcomes because he trusts in the overcomer. God wants to do the same thing in your life. He wants that same pattern in your life. See, Joseph could have been marked by hatred. He could have been filled with resentment. He could have gone for vengeance. He could be a man of bitterness, but it prepares him for what God has in store. Now Joseph doesn't enjoy the painful process. None of us do. None of us enjoy the scars that we, that we gain going through life. None of us enjoy the pain. We don't like it. But with God's grace, you can overcome your pain. By God's grace, you can overcome your hurt. By God's grace, you can overcome your past, and you can keep it from destroying your dream. Are you with me? In our text, give him praise. Let me get a drink of water. In our text, Jacob, his father, sends Joseph out to check on his brothers. Now, I don't know if this sticks out to anybody else. They're in the field working. Not Joseph. He's in the house. Because Joseph's dad, Jacob, spoils him. He lets him use his credit card, lets him use the car when none of the other brothers, lets him stay up late at night watching TV. You ever read that? He, he, he shows him all this favoritism. And the thing that makes it the word, he gives him this, this flashy coat. The coat of many colors, I mean, it sticks out, and he puts it on, and it's glistening and shining, and, and, and he is walking down the street in this flashy coat, and it is a reminder to his brothers how their dad feels about him compared to how he feels about them. Now, he, he, Joseph is Jacob's favorite son. 
Now, this, this, this should be familiar. This is generational because Jacob himself had been a favorite child. He had a, a mother, Rebecca, who favored him over his twin brother, Esau. Esau's out working in the field, but, but not Jacob. Rebecca has Jacob in the house making cookies, and that's mama's little boy, and I don't want you to get your hands dirty. And, and, and so she spoiled him. And just like she spoils him... Jacob spoils his son Joseph. The problem is when she spoiled him, there's this division and hatred that takes... She helps him deceive her husband Isaac. She helps him deceive Isaac into blessing him instead of Esau, the rightful heir of the blessing. And, and it causes all this hatred and all this bitterness in the family, right? Esau says, I'm going to kill my brother. That, that's dysfunctional. There's all this problem going on. Isn't it funny how things go from one generation to the next generation to the next generation? So now Jacob favors his son Joseph, and there's hatred and bitterness between the brothers. They don't like each other. There's a problem. So there's a lot of hurt in this family. Does anybody know what it is to have family hurt? Can you identify? There's division in this family. There's some hatred in the family. There's pain in the family. Now, now maybe the hurt or the pain of your past has killed your dream. Maybe you thought it'll never get any better. Maybe you've been through some things. Maybe you've been through some very serious pain in your life. Maybe, maybe there was somebody that abused you and was hard on you and took it out on you and, and you were angry and resented them. And now, now you see yourself reacting in the same way towards someone in your family. Maybe you found yourself trying to live up to an expectation that you never thought you could live up to. And you felt like love had to be earned. And then you doubted that you could ever be loved. You felt like it was conditional. So now when someone tells you they love you, you're wondering, mm, yeah, do you, do you really? I hope I don't mess it up. How can you really love me? Maybe someone... Let's, let's just get real. Can we be real? Maybe someone, maybe someone abused you sexually and it caused a hurt and a pain in you so that now you're, you've got a shame that's planted in you and you don't see yourself as worthy. Maybe, maybe you've suffered loss through divorce or death and now you, you wonder if, if it'll ever really, if love will ever really last. You've stood by the grave of someone you love or walked out of the courtroom of someone you love, and, and that pain is very real. There's good news in the story of Joseph for you. You can break the cycle. You can break the dysfunction. You can work through the pain, and God can still use you. You can revive your dream. God can redeem your past. Joseph was his, his relationship in his family was an absolute mess. His relationship with his brothers is filled with hatred and resentment. But God's going to break the cycle in his life, and he's going to use him. In Genesis 37, 18, we're, we're just picking up where we went in the chapter we read. When Joseph's brothers see him coming, now why do they see him coming? He's wearing a flashy coat, walking through the middle of the desert. Now, that, that, only one guy is dressed like that out here. It's Joseph. They see him coming, and they recognize him in the distance as he approached they made plans to kill him this is serious now and and here comes the dreamer they said in 19 and 20 they said come on let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him then we'll see what becomes of his dreams 
This is a family mess, okay? When, when you start looking to kill people and, and that, that there's a problem, this, this can take some serious help. Reuben is the oldest son. He's the oldest brother. He said, we can't kill him. He, he feels a sense of obligation. I, he, he's the oldest brother. I, I, there's some responsibility on him. We can't kill him. Let's just throw him in a, in a cistern. Cistern is like a well. It's dry. He, we'll just throw him in there. Now, now, his plan was, the Bible says, is to go back and rescue Joseph and take him home. I know when we hear this story, a lot of times we identify with, with the pain of Joseph, but I wonder if there's somebody that, that says, I need to be a Reuben. Maybe you need to stand up and say, this has gone far enough. We, this time we draw a line here, and, and, and we got to break this. We, we, we can't keep going down this road. It's time to change some things. Is there a, a Reuben somewhere that says, I, 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 we're, we're not going to keep letting this cycle of dysfunction go? In, 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 in verse 37, 23 through 20, or chapter 27, 23 and 24, says, So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing, then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty and there's no water in it. Here's the thing. He is in the bottom of the cistern crying for help and they sit down and they start eating. With the cries of their brother in the bottom of the cistern, they're, they're eating. Along comes a caravan. They sell him into slavery. They said, we'll make some money off of this. We'll take, take the blood of a goat. They kill a goat, put the blood on the coat, tear the coat and take it to their father. Jacob and say your your son Joseph I don't know what happened but this is what we found and Jacob Jacob had stood before his father and deceived him and lied to him and now his sons stand before him and lie to him and deceive him and he says my, my son's been torn apart by some beast and they allowed their father they enter into a conspiracy together allowing their father to believe that his son has been torn to pieces. This is the sadness of the story. Then Jacob tore his clothes, dressed himself in burlap. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I'll go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say, and then he would weep. This is a sad story. This story's heavy. It's a lot of pain. In this story, there's a lot of hurt in this story. And some of you know the pain. You can identify with different parts of this story. Some of you know what it is to be rejected. Some of you know what it is to be abused. Some of you know what it is to be hurt by people that, that you thought you could trust. You know what it is to be hurt by people that you thought had your back. Sometimes family. People that should have comforted you. And yet they bring this pain into your life. Some of you know the, the hurt that Jacob felt, the hurt of loss. And I want to tell you, it hurts. And I'm not here to diminish in any way your pain today. I want to address it. And I want you to know that you can overcome the hurt and you can dream again. I want to tell you that God's not finished with you yet. Let's talk about it. How's that happen? First of all, let's acknowledge the pain. Everybody in here has wounds. 
We, we hold wounds of different kinds. We have scars. We all need to find healing. The reality is that because of sin, whether it's our sin or somebody else's, there is pain in our lives. No one is immune to hurt. We all have areas that we have to overcome. We all have wounds. When, when, when we understand that, we can begin to move toward restoration. We can begin to move toward healing. Can I, can I share the gospel with you for a minute? We follow a Savior that can understand our hurts. He identifies with our hurts. I love this passage. Isaiah 53 and 3. He was despised and rejected by people. Can you identify? He was a man of suffering. Anybody here ever had to suffer? He was familiar with pain. Is there anybody familiar? I, I know a little bit about pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low self-esteem. We read that and we think, oh, that's talking about Jesus on the cross. It, it wasn't just on the cross. It was his whole life. Imagine growing up in a small town, and his everyone knew the story. His mother is, becomes pregnant while she's engaged, and the father is not her fiancé. Are, are, are you seeing what he grew up in? And, and everybody knew. And, and her, her alibi was, well, it, it's God's child. The Bible says even his brothers did not believe in him. His own family didn't believe in him. He was the town joke to a lot of people. He understands what you feel. He understands what it is to be rejected. He understands what it is to be betrayed. He understands what it is to be hurt. He knows what it is to stand at the grave of a loved one and cry out in anger. He did that. He knows what it is to feel what you feel. He understands. We have a Savior who identifies with us. He knows what you're going through. So acknowledging the pain is the first step towards restoration. Listen, our church is not a large church. We're, we're a, a fairly small church. But if we could see the amount of pain in this building right now, it would be staggering. If you knew what people have gone through, if you knew what people had been through, people are broken, people have been abused, people are hurting, people are scarred. And in the church, we learn how to hide it and walk through the door and act like we're strong and act like everything okay and and we never find healing because we're too busy trying to impress one another we don't need to hide we don't need to pretend that everything's okay it's time to be honest and say there's a God in heaven who can bring healing to my life somebody give him praise There are people who have lived in dysfunction and they carry wounds. There are people here or watching on Facebook who battle with some kind of addiction all the time and they carry those wounds. There are people who have family members and you've tried to pull them out of addiction and you carry those wounds. There are people who struggle and they're hurting and they carry those wounds. There are people that won't step foot in the church because somewhere down the line someone that they thought they could trust mishandled them and hurt them and they carry those scars and they carry those wounds. Our hope in overcoming is to come to the overcomer. He knows what it is, and yet he overcame. He kept pressing forward, and he never lost the passion that God had placed in his life. There are those who feel like their life is in a cistern. They feel trapped, nowhere to turn, stuck, hopeless. Let's be real about the hurts. We're all hurting. Everybody in here has a hurting, you've been hurt in one way or another. 
but your hurts don't have to kill your dreams. Number two, trust, trust God's timing. As you read the story of Joseph, it, 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 it's, it's amazing to read. I'll talk more about this next week, but it, it, it seems like things are going to work out, and then it's disappointment. And then it seems like things are going to work out, and then it's disappointment. You see what I'm saying? He's favored by his father. His brothers hate him. They're, they're, they're going to kill him, but Reuben's going to save him. And, and then he sold and say, up and down. And, wait a minute. No, it's going to work out. No, no it's not. He, he goes to Potiphar's house, the vice president. Oh, wait, things are going to work out. And he's falsely accused of rape. Uh, oh, no, it's, it's not. He goes to prison. He, he finds favor in the prison, interprets dreams. It's going to work out. And then he's forgotten. No, it's disappointment. I wonder if there's anybody here that identifies and says, I know what it is. Say, oh, it's going to work out. Oh, no, no, it's not. Disappointment. Oh, this time it's going to happen. It, it, this is great. Oh, no, disappointment. Everything's coming together. No, 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 it's just disappointment again. This is difficult. That's tough. But I want to tell you God sees you. He has you. And he knows what he's doing. Trust him. Romans 8.28 says this, we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. Psalm 9 and 10 says, those who know your name put their trust in you. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for good and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 28 and 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield in him my heart trusts. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Sometimes it's hard to trust him when you don't understand what he's doing. Jalen's got you day, adoption day, the day we, we're, we're, we're closing, finalizing on her adoption that day. We are in court. She is three, 2000, just, yeah, just, just turned three, two, January 5th, 2015. And, and, and we're, in the, we're in the, they had benches, we're in the hallway, get, waiting for the judge to call us in to adopt this beautiful girl. We had had her since she was seven weeks old. She'd been living with us from that time, but the adoption is about to close on that day. And they have these benches, old, old church pews in the, in the hallway of, of the courtroom. And she decided it would be fun when she was bored, waiting on the, on the you know how, you know how low-key she is? That day she wasn't. <laughs> she decided she was going to swing on the, the two arms uh, of these pews. She's swinging her feet, swinging her feet, and her hand slips off and she lands on her chin. Busts her chin wide open. Debbie rushes to the bathroom and, of course, the bailiff says, shave her. So we walk into the courtroom the judge is there, and she's bleeding all over from her chin. We're, we're here to adopt. We're the parents. You get it, getting what we're feeling, right? My lawyer turned green. What happened? She fell in the she fell in your unsafe hallways. What happened? And. We, we went through the court. The, the judge says, do you need to take her and get her taken care of? I said, no, sir. Let's get this done. We're gonna, we want to get this over with. We've been waiting a long time. And so they, the adoption process went through, and we, we had to take her from there to get stitches. By the time we get there, this thing is puffy and sore, and they had to stitch her chin up. 
I'll never forget this. One of the worst moments of my life. I had to hold her head with her chin up while they stitched her chin. And I'm holding, and she is screaming. She's hurting. And the bad part is she's looking me in the eyes. You're my, you're my dad. You're supposed to protect me. You're, suppo- you're not supposed to let me feel this pain. And my answer, the baby got a truck. She didn't say that. Her expression said she's screaming. But I'm, just trust me. Hold on, baby. It's okay. And tears are rolling down my cheeks. I'm sobbing. It's my little girl. I don't want her to go through, but this is what she needed. I think sometimes we look up at God and say, what are you doing? Why are you taking me through this pain? I don't understand. You are supposed to protect me. You're supposed to be my father. I don't understand why I'm feeling this. And I think tears roll down his face with us while he holds us and says, I've got you. You've got to trust me. I want to talk to the one that's going through the pain saying, I don't understand this. God, where are you? He's weeping with you, but he's holding on to you. You see, it's easy to want to blame God. And our dream dies because of the pain we feel. Sometimes we think, God, you failed me. But God is working all through the situation. He was working all through the life of Joseph. And you know there had to be times that Joseph's looking up at God saying, I don't understand this at all. What are you doing? And God's saying, just trust me. Your dream's going to come to pass. I've got you. Just hold on to me. Right now, you may not feel it. Right now, you may not see it. But God's working in your story. And the path of pain that you have to go through leads to incredible blessings. God can carry you through the hurt to what He has in store. Give Him praise. The third thing is hold on to hope. See, it looks like Joseph is in a hopeless situation. Verse 36 says, Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. He's still in slavery. He's still feeling the hurt. He's still feeling the betrayal, but he lands in the palace of a high-ranking official. And the chapter doesn't end by erasing the pain, but it does end with hope. There are bad things that are going to happen to Joseph here. He's going to go through some more pain, but God's going to bring some good out of it. See, God's not finished with Joseph yet. God's not finished with you yet either. Satan will whisper and tell you it's all over. Give up. It'll never get any better. But don't put a period in your life where God has put a comma. Are you hearing me? Don't say this is the end when God says this is just a pause in the story. He's not finished. My goal in this series is for you to get your dream back. My goal in this series is for you to get your joy back. I'm not saying ignore the pain. Acknowledge it. But don't let it rob you of what God has in store. This 
Anybody know what this is? It's a, it's a tapestry. Doesn't that look like an absolute mess? The thing about a tapestry, one side is beautiful, but the back side is an absolute mess. It is jumbled. In our life, we look at this side. We see the jumbled mess. God, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense at all. But he's looking from his perspective. He's looking from the perspective of heaven. He sees this side. All we see is the mess. If you see it from his side, it is an absolute work of art. It is a beauty. He's working in your life. I don't know the hurt that you're feeling. I don't know what you've carried in here. I don't know what diagnosis you had to, had to hear in the recent days. I don't know what childhood wounds you carry in. I don't know what family hurts you've walked in with. I don't know what work situation you battle with on an ongoing basis. I don't know the broken heart that you feel. I don't know what marriage issues you've carried in, and I don't know what loss you may have suffered. But I don't know all the scars that you have, but I know this. We've got them, and they hurt. But if you're in a cistern, one place about it is the only place to look up is up. We look to Him and say, God, I'm trusting You. I'm leaning on You. In the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, I dare you to get the strength enough to say, God, I don't understand, but help me to trust You. The hard thing about this is I know some of your stories. I know some of the pain that you've been through, you've shared with me. And I don't want anybody to think, oh, he's preaching at me. Because I want you to know that everybody in here is wounded. Everybody in here knows what it is to be scarred. Everybody in here knows what it is to feel brokenness. And it hurts. See, it, it, it preaches easy. And it sounds good for me to just throw a verse at you and say, well, all things work together for good. Have, have, you, have you ever been hurting and you, and you say that to them? Man, I am hurting. And someone said, well, all things work together for good. Just trust the Lord. Be all right. Just want to slap them. Pain is real. It hurts. But just hold on and let God finish weaving in your life what He's doing. And I promise you, He'll bring you to your dream. Stand with me. Isn't He good? Is there anybody here today that says, I'm carrying some hurts in today, carrying some wounds? There, there was a time in my life where I, I, I believed God for big things. He gave me big dreams. But because of the wounds and the hurt, my dream has slowly begun to fade. And I just want to I want my dream to be renewed. I want to give him the hurts. 
and I want to trust him. I don't understand what he's doing, but I want to know that there's tears rolling down his face as he holds me through the pain that I'm going through. Thanks for tuning into the Hammond New Harvest Church podcast. We'd love to have you visit our Sunday service at 11 a.m. Hammond New Harvest Church is located at 1421 173rd Street in Hammond, Indiana. For other information, news, and events, follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Hammond New Harvest. We are the perfect church for people who aren't. Thanks and God bless.